So often things are said and done for the fundamental purpose of making an impression. Perception, however, isn't necessarily reality. We need to be perceptive about it all. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Before I get into the particular baseball news and stories I want to cover in this episode, I'd like to draw your attention to two things. One is still a few months away. The other is only a few days away. First of all, the third annual Fight Laugh Feast Network Conference is set to go. It is going to be October 6th through the 8th, and it is going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. The title, or the theme of the conference, is Lies, Propaganda, Storytelling, and the Serrated Edge. Go to flfnetwork.com to register. If you register between now and May 31st, you get to take advantage of the early bird registration discount. And remember, if you're a club member, you get $100 off your registration fee. If you're not a club member, become one. Doing so, you get that advantage. You get that $100 off if you're going to go to the conference. But also, you help support the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network and the multitude of great podcasts on our network. And if you become a club member and enter in the bullpen, you also help support this podcast. So again, Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, conference, October 6th through the 8th, Knoxville, Tennessee. The other conference I want to tell you about is only a few days away. It's actually on Saturday. It is the Christendom Conference, Overcoming Statism. And if you live in the Springfield, Missouri area, well, if you live in the Springfield, Missouri area and you're listening to a baseball podcast, you might be also dancing in the streets. Because both yesterday and into today, it has been reported that the St. Louis Cardinals are signing Albert Pujols to a one-year contract. This future Hall of Famer is coming back home, where his career began. And this is a great story, not just for Cardinal fans. It is a great story for baseball fans. It's just a great human story. And I hope that Pujols can hit 21 home runs and become only the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to have 700 or more career home runs. But anyway, if you're in the Springfield, Missouri area, and maybe a few months back you thought you might be watching baseball Saturday, April 2nd, and now you know that the Major League season doesn't begin until April the 7th, then check out this conference. Again, the Christendom Conference, Overcoming Statism. If you want to learn more about the conference or register for it, go to hopebaptistspringfield.com slash conference. This conference is going to have great speakers, three pastors, including Pastor Joshua Jenkins, who was a guest on my show about four or five weeks ago. It's going to have great psalm singing. It's going to have a great meal provided by a local farmer who is also one of the speakers, along with a local small business owner. Again, psalm singing, great speeches, the whole thing. So if you want to learn more, or better yet, to register again at hopebaptistspringfield.com slash conference. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, wait a second. What do these conferences have to do with baseball? Well, from a technical standpoint, actually, they at least could have had something to do directly with baseball. Well, first of all, Pastor Jenkins is a huge baseball fan, a knowledgeable baseball fan, and a Cardinals fan. And he invited me to come to speak at the conference, but sadly, I was not able to do so. But had I been able to go, my topic was this, overcoming Leviathan one pitch at a time, sports and statism. And so he wanted to have a direct baseball reference in this conference. And last year at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, Dennis Arfate, who pitched in the big leagues here in the States for three teams, and then went to Japan and one was one of the best foreign players ever to play professional baseball in Japan, Dennis Arfate and I, on Friday night last year at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, talked baseball. But in the ultimate sense, both of these conferences have everything to do with baseball. And that's because the Lordship of Jesus Christ has to do with everything, including baseball. Remember, there is not one square inch that isn't his. Not one square inch that he doesn't proclaim over it, mine. And that includes Major League Baseball, and it includes baseball at every level that it is played or watched. And really, it's the very purpose behind this podcast. As baseball fans, to watch baseball, to appreciate baseball, to talk baseball, to follow the news of baseball, to debate baseball, whatever it is we do, the purpose of this podcast is to do it recognizing that we are to think and understand all things according to God's word, recognizing that this is his world, and that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. The fact that anybody at any level has the opportunity to play the game or to watch the game is a gift from the Lord. The abundance of talent that right now is in Major League Baseball is a gift from our Heavenly Father. Not just the talent that He gave to some of these players, but the gift that we have to watch these guys play the game of baseball. I recognize there are some who have this talent, some who have these opportunities, that recognize, acknowledge, and thank the Lord for them, and there are others that don't. But that doesn't change the truth of the matter. So both conferences are tied to baseball in a lot of ways. Both conferences will help you better distinguish between perception, which often is the result of lies and propaganda, and reality. And there was a lot of propaganda, as well as some reality, in a press conference that took place last week in New York. Day one, when I was mayor, I looked at the rule that stated hometown players had an unfair disadvantage for those who were coming to visit. And immediately, I felt we needed to look at that. But my medical professionals say, Eric, we're at a different place. We have to wait until we're at a place where we're at a low area and we can re-examine some of the mandates. We're here today. Currently, only non-residents are exempt under this executive order. We expanded it to residents of New York City. It's unimaginable. We were treating our performers differently because they lived and played for home teams. It's not acceptable. This exemption has been put in our sports teams as at a self-imposed competitive disadvantage. But this new order would help boost our economy. Now, before I go on, let's be clear about this. 
I've said it and I will continue to say all of us should be vaccinated, even our players. We will continue to promote vaccinations and booster shots. It's imperative that we do so. That's how we got here. That's why we have an NBA season because of the vaccination. Over 90 percent of players did so. And I'm hoping that we will reach the 100 percent numbers in both Major League Baseball and in basketball and other professional sports. We will continue to push and hope that they do the vaccination and booster shots. That was New York City Mayor Eric Adams last week in a press conference. And if you're like me, you've had enough of the lies and propaganda surrounding the coronavirus. So let's look at the takeaway, the reality. And the reality is, is that the New York Yankees and New York Mets, who have players that are not vaccinated, can now have all of their players, including those unclean, unvaccinated players, eligible to play home games. The Mets don't have to worry about Toronto. The Yankees do, so those players still can't go to Canada and play in Toronto, but at least they can play in the 81 home games in New York City. From from what I've read, the Yankees have two to three players that have not been vaccinated, likely Aaron Judge. The Mets may have upwards of 10. But whatever the case is, they are now able to play games at home in New York City. At least they're able to do so until perception via lies and propaganda, changes the reality of the situation. Let's hope that that does not happen. Something something else about perception, Major League Baseball ownership has attempted in various ways to various degrees for quite a long time to give the perception that owning a Major League Baseball franchise isn't necessarily a great business situation, not necessarily beneficial financially. They cry poor or they cry we're losing money, but they won't open their books to support that claim, to demonstrate that reality. Last week, I read a report that said that each team will receive $100 million in TV revenue before a single game is played. $100 million. Yet, 10 teams in Major League Baseball, that's 33%, one-third of them, currently have payrolls under $100 million. Four of them aren't even halfway to $100 million. The A's, right around $41 million. Cleveland, right around $37. Pittsburgh, $36 million. And the Baltimore Orioles, $30 million. I believe the reality is they aren't trying. They're not trying to win. As I mentioned last week, I will give the Oakland A's the benefit of the doubt because of the history that they have had over the last 30 years, but I still have my concerns. I cannot give Cleveland, Pittsburgh, or Baltimore the benefit of the doubt. To put this in perspective, here's the reality. Max Scherzer, by himself, this year in 2022, will earn more than the A's or the Cleveland, I was going to say Indians, I'm going to say Indians anyway, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Baltimore Orioles, their entire team will earn. Scherzer, $43 million, all four of those teams less than $43 million. One team that has no issue with a payroll and spending a lot of money is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the perception is that they have a manager, Dave Roberts, who's really good. Now, I know there are people who criticize some of the decisions he makes, in particular handling the bullpen in the postseason and all of that, 
But generally speaking, people acknowledge that he's a good manager. And I believe that's reality. He is a good manager. But it really doesn't matter what I believe. The Dodgers have said, we believe the reality is he's a good manager because they just signed him to a three-year contract extension, which means he is signed and locked up until 2025. Now, somebody that has been involved and has worked very hard in all of these areas, owners, players, the game, trying to change perception, trying to have an impact on reality, has been Andrew Miller. And just a few days ago, the 36-year-old announced that he is going to retire after 16 seasons playing in the major leagues. Now, Andrew Miller was one of the eight executive subcommittee members that were a part of the negotiations throughout this winter. And I believe that he did all of that, engaged in all of that work, fully aware that he was intending to retire. And that says a lot about the man. Now, I've heard him do interviews on more than a couple of occasions. He is intelligent, thoughtful, articulate, and I believe very fair-minded when he's talking both about the owners and the players. And think about the willingness to put in all of those hours and then to retire. His former teammate, Adam Wainwright, recognized that. He said this, I have an appreciation for what he did for the entire game of baseball. As many hours as that guy put in for the union over these past few years is kind of staggering. He may retire, and that means this whole offseason, he still spent 16 hours a day on the phone. For us, for who's next, that means a lot. That does mean a lot and it says a lot about the person. Now also about the pitcher, his former pitching coach, Mike Maddox. He kind of revolutionized all of it. Your best pitcher doesn't have to be your starter or your closer. And he was the best pitcher on multiple staffs. What he did in the postseason to help his team was groundbreaking. I don't think anybody really duplicated what he's done as far as throwing multiple innings and the hairy innings whenever they are because Miller was used throughout the game whenever the game was on the line. That could be in the first third, the middle third, or the last third. Andrew Miller is a class act as a person and a very good pitcher. And again, to look at what kind of person he is, after announcing his retirement, he sent a text to Derek Gould, a longtime writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Part of what he wrote were these words. The list of people who took me aside put their arm around me, made me laugh when I needed to, or taught me something, is endless. It's safe to say, I would have been faced with the next chapter much earlier on if it weren't for them. As someone who thought their career was practically over in 2010, to be able to experience everything I did along the way is incredible. You shouldn't ever hear complaints from me. It was a heck of a run. It was. And again, we see a a contrast between perception and reality. Andrew Miller was a first-round draft pick. He was the sixth player taken that year in the draft. And you say, here's a big, gifted, talented, left-handed pitcher who's the sixth pick in the nation. It is smooth sailing. He's going to get to the big leagues. He's going to stay in the big leagues. He is going to have success in the big leagues. But the reality is, his story, like many others, was a story of intense struggle, of perseverance during that struggle. And then, in the providence of God, tremendous success. As I mentioned, first-round pick, 
number six overall, by the Detroit Tigers. He was then involved in the blockbuster trade, which sent, among others, Miguel Cabrera to Detroit, and then a number of players, including Andrew Miller, to the Marlins. Miller was used primarily as a starter from 2006 to 2011, and he struggled mightily. Think about the words he said in his text. As someone who thought their career was practically over in 2010. But then he was converted to a reliever only in 2012, and his career took off. Twice he was an all-star. He was indeed the best reliever in the game for multiple years. And listen, Maddox talked about his postseason. Listen to these numbers. Postseason numbers, 29 games, 0.93 ERA. He pitched 38 and two-thirds innings, gave up only 20 hits, and had 54 strikeouts. I wish Andrew Miller the best in whatever the Lord has in store for him in the next chapter of his life. Let's stay on the topic of classy individuals and great baseball players. I came across this clip. It was put together by MLB Network. It's a bent lengthy. It's a little over two minutes, but it's well worth listening to every last bit of it. Number 23, Don Mattingly. I think it's probably very hard to think of baseball in the 1980s, especially from the mid-80s to the late 80s, where he isn't the face of it. He's as good a player as I have ever seen in my career. Anytime Donnie gets to the plate, the pitchers were like, oh, God, <laughs> not, not him again. Deep to right, Mattingly will put the Yankees out in front. He saw a person who turned himself into as great a first baseman as there was in that era. Well, one of the reasons I won two gold gloves in New York was because of Don Mattingly. That's why he is a gold glove first baseman. We just called him Donnie Baseball because he was what baseball personified. The way he carried himself, the way he comported himself. Appreciate it. Good luck. It just seemed perfect. Uh, I mean, the whole package, the eye black. When you used to watch those Sandlot kids come home with dirt all over them, you know, that was Don Mattingly. He was as good as there was. He was the captain of the team. I mean, he had to set the example. He was the guy that everybody looked up to. Everything he did in his career, he was exemplary of how to be a Yankee. You had no choice but just to kind of look up you know, to him and try to emulate what he was doing. You know, Donnie was kind of everything baseball should be about. There's very few guys that I would say that their substance was their style. Donnie's substance was his style. It wasn't about perception. It was about reality with Don Mattingly. He didn't play for any kind of adulation. He played because the game demanded that he play as hard as he could for as long as he could. That's some good stuff. And the voices you heard were from all-time great media, managers, and players in Major League Baseball, including several Hall of Famers. Consider what was said about Donnie Baseball. He worked diligently at his craft. He didn't play dirty, but he got dirty by playing all out at all times. He set the example, and he led by example. He was somebody that others wanted to emulate. 
He was everything baseball should be about. He didn't care at all about perception, but reality. His substance was his style. He didn't play for any kind of adulation, but because the game demanded he play as hard as he could, as long as he could. Don Mattingly has been rightly praised for all of these things and many more. They are most definitely praiseworthy qualities. That's not just my perception, but the reality taught by God in His Word. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.